Trains. Buses. For many of us, they're a part of daily life, a convenience or a necessity. But what broader purposes does public transportation infrastructure serve for the economies of cities? How can we harness the economic power of trains and buses to create prosperity? Yona Freemark is a real heavy hitter in the new urbanist movement, and much of his work revolves around this topic. We're very glad to sit down with Yona today and hear what he has to say. For Chicago Policy Radio, I'm Jim Howes. Welcome to Chicago Policy Radio. I'm Jim Howes, and I'm here today with Yona Freemark. Uh, Yona is a project manager at Chicago's Metropolitan Planning Council and authors the blog The Transport Politic. Yona, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so you've been at the Metropolitan Planning Council since 2013, and one of your focal areas there, or here I should say, is, uh, is transit-oriented development, uh, or TOD. To a layperson, how would you summarize TOD and its aims as a tool for developing cities? So the goal of TOD is to connect future development around the transit system that we have. So, uh, you know, in the Chicago region, we have a very intense rail system, both in terms of our uh, elevated system run by the CTA and our commuter rail system run by Metro. We also have a series of pretty good bus lines. Uh, But the goal of TOD that we're trying to pursue at MPC is to really focus all new development, as much as possible at least, in areas very close to those rail stations. And the reason for that is that people who live and work near rail stations are far more likely to actually take advantage of the transit, and the result will be less congestion on our roadways, more affordability in that people are not having to rely on automobiles, and more livable places where people are able to convene and and have more uh, access to activities and resources within close distance of public transportation. Investing in transportation and infrastructure takes money, obviously. Uh, In a reality where funding is scarce and attitudes towards funding projects make it scarcer, I would say, uh, what are some of the sources of funding that you've zeroed in on as being good and feasible? Well, the first thing I would focus on is, you know, to point out that one of the goals of TOD is to take advantage of the transportation resources that we already have. So in the Chicago region, we have a very extensive rail system, as I said, but you know, as we know too well, too much of that rail system is underused because a lot of the areas of our city and actually of the region as a whole have become depopulated after years of disinvestment and uh, changes in people's decisions about where they want to live and work. We have the responsibility to try to allocate more of our resources and, and try to encourage more of our people and our jobs to be located in areas really close to the transit. And the result can be that a lot of our lines that are currently underused, like the green line, uh, you know, the pink line, some parts of the orange line, even the blue line on the west side, uh, can be much better used without having to make much more infrastructure investment. So that's really an exciting possibility, and that's something that we can do with more TOD. This isn't to say, though, that there aren't a lot of priorities for more infrastructure investment. You know, um, we have to repair the system that we have. Uh, parts of the red line are more than 100 years old, and uh, we have to make sure that we invest in upgrading them. And In fact, the, the CTA is planning a, a $4 billion uh, renovation of the red line north, so that's going to be very expensive, and we need to find the funding to pay for it. Um, one of the biggest problems that we have today in this world of transportation infrastructure investment is that there simply is not enough money to pay for all the things that we need to do. You know, 
we have a growing population and we also have old and decaying infrastructure. So we have to deal with these problems. Uh, but the primary source of funding that we've used in the past for transportation investments has been the uh, federal motor fuels tax, uh, which is a tax on every gallon of gasoline that people use when they drive. Uh, this tax has been used for decades to pay for investments in roads, and then it was adapted to also pay for investments in, in public transportation. The problem is that for various reasons, the tax has been stuck at a set level since 1993, and it has not been adjusted for inflation. So we have this big problem in that we have increasing population and increasing infrastructure needs, but a declining access to resources, both at the federal, state, and local levels. So we, as an organization, are looking at uh, some specific new tools uh, to try to deal with this. One might be looking at uh, changes to the federal investment structure, so that might mean an increase in the gas tax, uh, which would make up for years of, of, of no increases. Um, another might be increasing tolls on our existing roadways. Uh, right now, federal law prevents tolling on a lot of the highways that we have around the country, which is um, a problem because a lot of these roads now need to be upgraded. And finally, we're looking at special taxation districts, where if you make an investment in infrastructure and property values increase as a result, you can take in some of those increased property values through taxes and invest them back in paying back the bonds that you paid to build that transportation facility in the first place. So those seem like some pretty good sources that we're looking into and, and advocating for. Right on. Let's talk about the opportunities for economic gains that exist uh, surrounding TOD projects. Uh, what are some of the key takeaway points uh, for why TOD is good for local economies, and what are some strategies for convincing important stakeholders to, to buy into TOD projects? So one of the important things that we know about density, and, and density is an important component of TOD because when we say, uh, you know, we want to build around train stations, we don't mean single-family homes. We mean apartment buildings, office buildings, things of sizable nature. But one of the things we know about density is that it has lower cost per person or per worker in terms of uh, municipal infrastructure costs. And this is because, you know, the fact of the matter is, if you have an apartment building with 100 units in it that takes up the same amount of land as three single-family homes, you can use land, sewer facilities, energy facilities, and transportation facilities a lot more efficiently. And the result is lower costs on your municipal government and, and hopefully a lower tax rate as a result. So that's one big benefit that we get. Um, another big benefit that we get um, that is related to the local economy, though not as direct, is the benefit of agglomeration. And the theory of agglomeration suggests that increasing density of people and jobs results in higher local incomes and in a more pr productive workforce. And this is a, a theory that's been advanced by economist Edward Glazer from Harvard. Um, and it actually has some interesting results. And it basically suggests that the more density we get in our cities, the higher incomes will be. So we can do a lot to increase density. And one of the ways to do that is through TOD. Okay, what are some of the most valid uh, or formidable arguments uh, you've heard skeptics of TOD make against it? Well, as I said, I'm, I'm a big proponent of TOD, so uh, there aren't many arguments that will sway me on, on the issue of right. what's wrong with TOD. Right. Um, you know, I think that a lot of communities are worried about 
what it means to increase density um, in their neighborhoods. You know, people who live in a certain neighborhood don't necessarily want to see a bigger building get built in a place that had formerly been a parking lot or that had been a much smaller building in the past. And, uh, you know, it's reasonable for people to be concerned about the character of their communities. And that's why we have to be very careful about how we do TOD and make sure that the design and the program that the TOD has uh, really adapts to the community's interests and needs. So actually at MPC, one of the things that we're doing is a series of community workshops where we bring people in in a series of communities throughout the city of Chicago to talk about how they want to change their community and you know how those changes can be most adapted to their community needs. So, you know, the goal is increased density and the goal is to make TOD work well, but we want to do that in a way that makes people comfortable with that, not uncomfortable, not mad about it. Right, yeah, the last thing that you want is, you know, for it to get the reputation of, you know, just go in and build a bunch of tenement houses. And mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the arguments that I've heard people make against it. I think yeah, I mean, I think there is this, there is to some degree a perception that if you're building more densely, you're building in a unsanitary manner or a, you know, um, quote-unquote slum manner. But the truth is that, uh, you know, if you take a look at a lot of the new projects that have been built in the city of Chicago, uh, whether that means Harper Court uh, near the University of Chicago or a lot of the projects in River North or, you know, in Wicker Park, Bucktown, those new projects look beautiful. They're attracting people of means. You know, these can be done in a really nice way. And this isn't to say that we want you know, to just gentrify our communities. But it is to suggest that density does not have to be equated with poverty. We can think of density as a positive thing for our communities and something that can help everybody. But we just need to make sure we do that right. Fantastic. Okay, so I'm John Q. Public, Joe Sixpack, the average American. Why should I care about transit-oriented development and infrastructure investment? Well, you know, transit-oriented development and infrastructure development are really about investing in the future of our own communities. So, you know, one of the city of Chicago's greatest assets and one of the assets that has allowed the city to grow and become a powerful economy that it is today is its transportation system and all the development that's been built around it. We can't forget about the fact that the city grew around its transportation system, and we need to remember that we need to reinvest in it. The truth is that the cities that have that are really growing nowadays, if you look into Asia, but also in European cities, and even around the U.S., are investing tremendously in making their transportation systems up-to-date, modern, fast, useful for the people who live there. Those are really important for making the economies work. You know, in Chicago, as in everywhere, uh, finding the money to pay for these things is a big deal, and it's, it's really expensive, and, you know, that's totally understandable. But the transportation system and appropriate development is essential to making the economy work. And so that's why I think everybody should be engaged in this issue. And, you know, planning is important to everybody. Great. Thank you so much for joining us, Siona. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to Chicago Policy Radio. This podcast was produced by Jim House, and theme music was composed and produced by Ryan Gee. You can find us online at chicagopolicyreview.org and on iTunes. Thanks again for tuning in, and please join us next time.